So today, we continue on with our series, Freedom in Christ. I think next week's going to be the very last sermon in this series, and then we're moving on again. So today, I'm going to talk about something that is critically important to our relationships. Critically important to our relationships. I'm going to talk to something today that is absolutely key and central in our faith in Jesus It is that important, it is that critical and it is that central in our lives and yet we very rarely practice it. I'm going to talk today about forgiveness. Now forgiveness is beautiful when we talk about being forgiven and we are forgiven and we are so blessed to be forgiven. We love receiving forgiveness. But you know what? We've been forgiven to forgive. We have been blessed, so can we, we can be a blessing. This is the flow. This is the waterfall. This is the river of life, the living waters that are meant to flow into us and then out of us. We are forgiven to forgive. You know, we come here today to church and we praise God together. And wasn't it beautiful to sing with Emily leading us to praise God and worship him and lift our hands up to him and sing out to him and remember how good he is and to forget about all the other distractions in life and to focus on that unseen world that Jerome reminded us of today. We come here to learn. We want to hear from his word. We want to come together as a group and praise him corporately as a fellowship. We do this together. That's why we come today. But there's another reason you and I come today to church. We come today because we want to hear from him. We want to hear directly from God today. We don't want to leave this room today till we've personally, specifically, heard from Jesus today. That's why we come to church. We want to hear from him. We want to receive from him because he's the source of blessing. He's the source that we receive from so that we can then give to others. So I want to pray for you before we go any further and ask that for every single person sitting in this room that you would receive from Jesus today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you today seeking you, wanting to hear your voice, that still quiet voice that becomes awfully quiet in this loud, busy world. Lord, I pray for every single person sitting in this room today that each person would hear your voice today that each person would receive a blessing from you today, that we would be encouraged or admonished or something would come from you today, Lord Jesus, that would be a revelation directly into our hearts, that we would hear you so clearly, Lord Jesus. We want to hear you. We want to see you. Lord, help us not to be asleep like the Israelites were. We want to be so awake Stir our spirits up, Lord. Awaken us. Help us, Lord Jesus. We want to hear from you. Help us to hear, Lord Jesus, in your beautiful, beautiful and holy name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So, 
Let's do it. Let's see if we can hear from God today. So he's telling us something today and he's telling us something very clearly. Listen to what the Lord says to you today. He says, I want you to know this. He says, I am blessing you so you can be a blessing to others. And the only way you're going to live out the calling and purpose of your life is to recognize that when I give you a blessing, I want you to give that blessing to another. He says, I am blessing you every single day. I want you to give what you've received. And one of those beautiful blessings is that we've been forgiven. And he says to you and I today, I've forgiven you so that you too can forgive. It's a beautiful, beautiful blessing that we've received. And it's core to our relationship with one another and it's core to our relationship with him. So what does Jesus say? He says in John chapter 7 verse 38, he says, He who believes in me... As the scripture has said, so he's talking about the Old Testament because the New Testament hasn't been written yet because Jesus is saying that. He said, he who believes in me, as the Old Testament has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So there's this flowing that's meant to occur. He says, it's this flow of being forgiven that I want you to give to others. But notice he says it's out of our heart. So this flow has to come into our heart and then out of our heart. Notice the beautiful promise in this verse. He says, he who believes in me will flow. So if we believe, we will flow. If we don't believe... We'll dam up the river. So whenever we come to a promise in the Bible, whenever you see one of these beautiful promises that you just want to hold on to and never let go so that you can flow, it's really important that we understand how to grab this promise and hold on to it. Because it's easy to misunderstand what God is doing in the promise and what he wants us to do in the promise. It's always a joint thing with God's promises. It's not like we lie on the beach and he just, bring it on, God. And it's not just me doing everything and forgetting God's actually involved. God plays a part in the promise and we play a part in the promise. The best way to make sure you understand his part and your part is to read before the promise in the Bible and after the promise in the Bible. That's called context. Because the Bible flows. His spirit is in this beautiful book. It's meant to flow into your heart so that it can flow out of your heart. But if you're just going to grab a promise without looking at it in context, you're going to miss the flow. I'm going to say flow, I'm sure, 2,000 times today, but I don't care. 
Because if there's one thing that stops us living out our calling and purpose in life is we get blocked and damned up. We receive and we don't give. So today we're going to do this a couple of times. We're going to look at a promise and then look at the flow. So we're going to look at the scripture just before and just after. What does he say? So before and after this verse. So the middle bit is not in bold anymore, but that's okay. So the middle bit is, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That's the promise. Now we need to look at what's before and what's after. What's just before that? He says, If anyone thirsts, if anyone has a need, let him come to me and drink. Like Jerome said, come to me when you're weary and heavy laden. Come to me if you need something. Because you cannot give until you've received first. If you try and give something before you've received it, you'll be worn out, you'll be burnt out, and that's just when we're most vulnerable. So we must come to him. So this whole flow has to start from him. We have to come to Jesus. So the beginning point, the source of all blessing, the source of all flow, the source of all energy, the source of every part of the calling and purpose in your life must come from Jesus. You cannot live a purposeful life. You cannot leave the calling that's on your life until you come to Jesus and get what you need to live for Jesus. It just won't work. You'll get tired out, you'll get bored, you won't persevere, you'll give up, you'll run out, you'll say it's too hard. And we all feel like it's too hard sometimes. But as soon as you get that feeling, it's a big message to say, come to him, fill up again, you're missing out, you need some more flow. It's not that he's given up on you, you've probably given up on him, you've forgotten, you've got to come to him, fill up. Get the flow, go to the top of the waterfall and say, I need you again, God. I've forgotten I need you. We've got to come. So that's what we learn when we go before the promise, that this promise will not happen unless we come. What do we learn when we go after the promise? He says, but this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. You see, he said, out of our heart will flow rivers of living water. Sometimes living water is referring to eternity and eternal life. But right here, he's making it really clear that flow of rivers of living water is his spirit. So we come to him to be refreshed in his spirit. The first time we come to him, we receive his spirit. This flow is him. This flow is his spirit. It is the spirit of Israel that Jerome reminded us of this morning. That spirit fell asleep. Well, actually, the Israelites fell asleep to the spirit. He's never asleep. He's always awake. But we've got to be careful not to sleep like the Israelites did. So when we come to Jesus, we fill up with his spirit. He fills us abundantly, more than we need. But we've got to keep going back. 
the key thing that we miss and the way we get confused, because we have an adversary that wants to confuse us, is to understand this happens through our heart. Do we really understand what the heart is? Hollywood wants to tell us what our heart is. But that's not what Jesus says. He says the heart in this verse, he says in John 7.38, it stands metaphorically, well, it, it symbolizes. It's a symbol for the innermost part of us, the soul, the heart. It's the seed of thought, choice and feeling. In practice, every day, we have thoughts, we make choices, and we have feelings. That's where the spirit works through us, the way we think, the choices we make, which is our will, and the way we feel. That's our heart. Hollywood will tell you your heart is desire. Feeling is part of our heart, but there is choice and there is thought in our heart. It's where Jesus resides. It's where your spirit is interceding for you, communicating with you, communing with you. This is our heart. What else do we learn? We learn that the sense of the inward part that's present in this, in this scripture, when Jesus quenches the inner thirst of believers, their refreshed inner, becomes, their refreshed inner being becomes a source of wider refreshing in an outflow to others. This is where we receive and this is where we can give. It is essential we understand. Our heart is where we think, where we make choices and where we have feelings. To understand this beautiful picture of living water, he says, as it is written in the scripture, you can go to the Old Testament. This week, if you're sitting down to God's word and you think, what could I read this week, God? Write these down. Go to Isaiah 58, 11. Go to Zechariah 14, 8 and go to Ezekiel 47, 1 onwards. There is a beautiful blessing awaiting you about this living water that is flowing through you if you believe. It is a beautiful picture. It is a beautiful picture of your calling and purpose in life. Go there this week. Let's look at what else Jesus had to say. When he starts talking to us, he says in Matthew 6, 14, he says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So notice as soon as he uses the word if, he's talking about a choice. So he's saying if, in your heart, if you make a choice, not in your heart if you feel like it or in your heart if you think about it, if you actually determine to make a choice. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, so this is forgiving others over here. What does he say? There's a promise. He says, your heavenly father will also forgive you. The flow comes back. We receive forgiveness. So when we forgive others, he promises he will forgive us. There's a flow. Our whole life is meant to flow. It's a beautiful flow. 
So what do we do when we see a promise in the scripture? We look before and we look after. What does it say before? Just before this scripture, we, we read part of the Lord's Prayer. So Jesus is teaching us how to pray. He says, we need to pray this and forgive us our debts as we forget our debtors. We got that. Forgive us our debts as we forget our debtors. So we got this flow thing repeated in scripture. If it's repeated in scripture, stop. God, God's repeating this to me twice. I've got to get this. This is core to my everyday relationships and this is core to my faith in Jesus. We forgive as he forgives us. It's a flow. What does he say next? And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And then he repeats it. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will, re- will forgive you. So he says it once, then he says something about temptation, and then he says it again. You see, temptation doesn't want the flow. If you flow in your life, you are an overcomer. You will be so bright in this dark world because people will see something different about you. They will see the flow. They won't understand it, but it will start something in them. How come he can forgive me? I don't get that. But we have an adversary. He wants to dam us up and block that flow up and he will do almost anything to stop the flow. So he's saying, watch for temptation. Guess where temptation hits? It's a slimy little snake. Barbara, I heard you were gossiping about me. Hmm. Don't like that very much. I've got a choice to make. I can go back to Jesus and say, Jesus, thank you for giving me for the millions and millions and millions and millions of sins that I've committed. I'm just going to forgive. I'm going to make a choice even though I don't like it very much and I'm going to forgive Barbara. She's forgiven. Okay, thank you, Jesus. I'm sorted. But then I think, I don't like it very much. She said I was a fat cow. Maybe I should call her a fat cow and get her back. You see, the problem is it doesn't feel real nice. I'm not feeling real nice about you right now, Barbara. In fact, stuff you. I'm not forgiving you. And I've just blocked the flow. All because I let that slimy little snake come and tell me, I don't feel real good about what you said to me and I want to make it even and get you back. It'll stop the flow of that beautiful spirit of Jesus that has forgiven me for millions and I just need to forgive you for one. Watch out for the tempting snake. He'll come at you and he'll come back and he'll come back and he'll come back. You see, God forgets all our debts. He forgets our sins. Not because he hasn't written them in the book, but because he's promised not to take any more action. The action has already been taken on the cross. I'm going to forget 
by not taking any action. I'm not going to hold a grudge against you. I'm not going to think badly about you. But when I'm reminded of it, I'm going to say, no, I'm forgiving. I'm going to make that choice again. That's how I keep forgetting. We get that confused. We think if I think of it again, I haven't actually done a good job forgiving. I haven't done it properly. We have to remember every single time that little snake comes back and reminds us, remember when she said that about you? We've got to say, no, I'm choosing to forget. I'm not going to take a grudge. I'm going to put it away. We've got to remember the snake is active. He doesn't want us to flow. So that's what it says before the promise. What does it say after the promise? Jesus continues to say to us, here's the promise. He says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. Now notice what he says after the promise. He says, but if you do not forgive others their sins, here's another promise. Your father will not forgive your sins. It's, it's another promise. He will do it because he's a God of justice. So if we decide, I don't want to forgive you, we block this. We block this. We dam up the flow here. We don't like that. Satan doesn't want you to know that. He doesn't want you to remember that. But that's clear. We've got to understand there are consequences for obedience and there are consequences for disobedience. You will stop the flow of the beautiful blessing that's come into your life if you don't want to give this blessing out of your life. You will damn it up right there. Your purpose and calling has been thwarted by disobedience, by temptation, and it always tends to sneak its way in here. But I'm so hurt. Jesus helps us though. He doesn't just leave it there. He gives us a beautiful parable to explain this to us a little bit better because he knows this is difficult. He gives us the parable of the unforgiving debtor, Matthew chapter 18. Peter starts the parable. He comes up to Peter, uh, he comes up to Jesus and Peter came to him and asked, "Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? 7 times?" So how often do I have to come through this process and forgive others? If I do it seven times, can we rub this off now? I'm done. I've done it seven times. Look at the badge. It says forgiven seven times. Am I done? What does Jesus say? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. In other words... This isn't meant to be interpreted literally like you keep a record. Oh, that's one, two, three. Barbara, I forgave you six times. Um, then you forgave me once. So does that offset? Mm. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. He's telling us this goes on and on and on. We keep flowing out every single day. But we've got to go back 
to receive so that we can be a blessing to others or you'll run out. Listen to this beautiful parable. He says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. To understand this parable, the king is God. The servants are you and me. The servants of God, the children of God. So when you see the king saying or doing something, that's God saying or doing something. And the servants are you and me. Now when he says bringing accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him, he's talking about whenever we sin, there's a debt. So if I decide you're a fat cow, then I've just sinned against Barbara and my father. So I owe my father, the king, a debt. So when you hear this parable, when you listen to this parable, when you think about this parable, think about this very important idea that there's always a consequence for a sin. There is always a debt to be paid. So in the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. That was his first mistake. He thought he could actually fix it. He thought he could pay it. He did wrong and he thought he could fix it himself. What he asked for was patience. What he needed was forgiveness. But you know what? He came to God. He came to the king. Even though he came and asked for the, the, the wrong thing, Jesus knows what we need before we even ask him. But notice he came to him. And he asked, be patient, be patient with me. I'm pleading with you, please. Notice the way the king responds. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. If we come to him, he wants to bless us. He wants to forgive us. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. That is a really essential part of this story. He wouldn't wait. We'll come back to that. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. You see, that tells us something. You know when we sin, sometimes we're the last person to recognise it? Because I can fall for the trick that I'm just making things even. She was nasty to me, I'm going to be nasty to you. Nothing wrong with that. I can justify that. Everyone else will probably see that before I see that. You see, we live in a body, in a community. We're meant to exhort each other, to say, we've received mercy, we need to give mercy. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, 
I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Then Jesus says, That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. So we have got to understand how do we forgive from the heart. We understand now what the heart is. It's thought, choice and feeling. So we've got to start by actually dismissing the myth that forgiveness is all about feeling warm and fuzzy. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying to me, forgive Barbara from your heart by coming out, oh, I forgive, oh, you're so lovely, I'm so glad that you slandered me and gossiped about me. It felt so nice and I feel so warm towards you. That's not what it means to forgive from the heart. We've got to understand what he's asking us to do. This is how we forgive from our heart. And it begins with going to Jesus and drinking before you get offended and after you get offended. You see, just like our physical body needs to drink water and just like when we get thirsty, it's a sign that we're dehydrated, we don't have enough water for our physical body, it's exactly the same when we're offended and we feel like, I just don't feel like I've got what it takes to give, it means we haven't taken in enough living water. Don't wait until you're offended to go and quickly grab some living water. We need to do it before we get offended so we're full and ready to forgive from the heart. Jesus says, He said to his disciples in Luke 17.1, it is impossible that no offences should come. Impossible that no offences will come in your life. In other words, they're inevitable. Get ready for it. The world, the flesh and the devil are ready to offend you and to work through all those people in your life. So you've got to be ready to be offended. It is going to happen. Get ready. So we must go to Jesus and drink every single day. Fill me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus, today. And now that this offense has happened, help me, Jesus. Fill me, Jesus. I need you every single day. Every time this comes back into my mind, help me, Jesus, to forget it, to put it away, to forgive from my heart. That's step one. Step two, we must accept a wrong has occurred. You know... I could say, oh, yeah, that's okay, Barbara, if you want to call me a fat cow, that's, that's fine. I am now lying to myself. I am now building up resentment in myself because sin is always sin. Sin is always wrong. We shouldn't justify it in us and we shouldn't justify it in others. A sin is a sin. A wrong is wrong. So we recognize a wrong has occurred. Haven't decided what I'm going to do with that yet. I'm not going to jump with what my feelings want me to do, which is to just get you back. 
My flesh is so ready to be tempted to say, yeah, come to me, come to me. But you know, that freedom that we keep talking about is the freedom to choose the loving choice, not the selfish choice, the loving choice. Before you and I were saved, we were a slave to sin. We could only think about what's best for me. You are free to choose to do the loving choice. But we have to accept that a wrong has occurred. Otherwise, you're just lying to yourself. You're lying to them and you're lying to God. Sin is sin. It's wrong. Sin is never right. Don't lie to yourself and say, that's okay. It's not. It's wrong. You don't deserve it. You you. Just as sin is wrong for you, sin is wrong for somebody else. It's always wrong. Don't ever say it's okay. It's not. Then, recognize the wrong has created a debt for repayment. This is pretty easy to do because our feelings like this one. You were nasty to me. It's out of balance. I've got to get you back is what the flesh will say. So... When we sin, there is a debt. When we sin against God, there's a huge debt, which Jesus said, I will pay for you on the cross. He is paying our debt for all the sins we committed. And not just the sins we did, all the sins we thought about. So I might not tell you, I might think it. God says even those thoughts are sinful. Jesus died on the cross for every nasty little thought that's come into my head. So we must recognize there's a debt. You wrong against me, there's a debt that you owe me and God. I wrong against you, there's a debt. Now, here's the bit we don't like. Choose. We are free now. To choose, because we are no longer a slave to sin. We're no longer in Egypt like the Israelites. We have been freed from serving ourselves. We have a new Lord. We are here to serve Him. So choose the loving response. We are not instruments of judgment. I am not a God that says, I've got to make it right. I am not God. I am not a God of justice. I'm not the one that makes things right. He is. So I am not choosing to come back here and look after me because I've already been forgiven. I'm full from going to Jesus. I'm going to choose even though my feelings go, this doesn't feel right. It's out of balance. Yes, it's out of balance. Remember there was a wrong and there's a debt. Forgiveness says, now you do what Jesus did for you. Jesus stepped in and paid the millions of dollars that I owe God for all those sins. Now I just want you to step in and pay the debt, which is $1 for Barbara. Just $1. That's it. And I'm actually going to give you everything you need to do that anyway if you come to me so I can fill you to do it. But you must choose. This is cold, hard choice, step four. 
Don't think for a minute you're going to enjoy it. Don't think for a minute you want to do it. Don't think for a minute your flesh is going to go, yeah, this feels good, paying your debt. Did Jesus feel good hanging on the cross for you? He said, if there's any way this cup can pass from me. He didn't want to do it either, but he did because he said, but not my will, but thy will be done. He stepped in and paid our debt. It was huge. Your debt and my debt was a mountain. The amount he wants us to forgive is this tiny little pebble. And we say no. It's at this point we have to say, I'm not following my feelings. I'm going to forgive from the heart, which is to make a cold, hard choice. The first thing Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He's in pain. He's suffering more than you and I will ever suffer. So that pain and heartache that you're feeling, it's a pebble compared to his mountain of pain and suffering heartache because we're just taking on the one little debt. He took on the world's debts. Millions and millions and millions and millions compared to one tiny little debt that we're going to choose to take on board. I'll pay the debt because I'm choosing to love. I'm an instrument of love. I am not an instrument of judgment. That's for God to sort out. But how can I forgive when it hurts so much? The feelings are there. It's not like they disappear. They're still there. The hurt is still there. I look at this picture of this man and I think he's in a suit. He's in a white shirt with little cufflinks. And I think to myself, why is he hurting so much? And I wonder, I wonder if this man got all dressed for his wedding day. He stood at the end of the aisle and he waited and waited. You know, I wonder whether someone said to him, I will marry you. And then they did something else. They didn't turn up. Because, you know, that happens to us all the time. People say to us, I love you, but I'm going to betray you. I'm your sister in Christ, but now I'm going to abandon you. I'll stand by you. And then you walk away when it gets too tough or you're not popular anymore. How many times have people said one thing to you and then done something else? That hurts. That's hurt me when people have said one thing to me and done something else. Especially when they say they'll stand with you. But then they're nowhere to be found when their feelings don't like you anymore. It hurts. It absolutely hurts to the core. And I, like you, if I let it, If I let my guard down, 
See, if I don't guard my heart, we're supposed to have a block here, not here and here. If I don't guard my heart here, then that hurt can come in and feel like a dagger that's just been twisted around. And then I'm going to find it really, really, really hard to forgive you if you're going to twist that dagger around if I don't guard my heart because that's where the damage gets done. It's acknowledging it hurts when people offend you. I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. It hurts. So how do we forgive when it hurts so much? We need to avoid the mistakes the unforgiving debtor made. He made three fatal mistakes. We're going to get all wrapped up in the hurt. We're going to get suckered by the snake who digs into that hurt and said, see how much that hurts? Don't let them off. We are going to do the same thing as the unforgetting debtor unless we recognise the mistakes he made so we don't make the same mistake. The first thing he did, he forgot the Lord his God who rescued him. Remember the king forgave him for millions of dollars. He forgot all about it. Just like the Israelites, Jerome reminded us this morning, they were sleeping, very sleepy. They'd forgotten the enormous amount that God had done for them when they came out of Egypt. This is a picture. When they come out of Egypt, they're coming out of slavery. It's a picture of what happens to us when we become a Christian. When we become a Christian, we actually were a slave to sin. All our choices were made all about me because me is Lord, me is master, me must be pleased. Then everything changes. We have a new Lord and master. It's Jesus. We are no longer a slave to ourselves, pleasing ourselves and pleasing our flesh. We have a brand new Lord and master. But we have to remember who our Lord and Master is because our flesh is still going to be tempted to want to come back and be the old master. He wants, he doesn't like it. You see, Moses said to the people in Exodus 13.3, this is a day to remember forever, the day you left Egypt. The place of your slavery. Today the Lord has brought you out by the power of his mighty hand. He stopped and said, remember this forever. Don't forget what God's done for you. He's just forgiven millions and millions and millions of debt for all your sin. He's brought you out of Egypt. He's brought you out of slavery to sin. So you can choose to make the loving choice, not the selfish choice. You know, that was the first day. And then they had 40 years wandering around. Then they get to the promised land. And you think, yes, when they get to the promised land, that's when they'll remember. But you know what happened? If we jump forward to the book of Judges, the first chapter of Judges, things are sweet. But it took one chapter 
of being in the promised land. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. You see, they were comfy now. We're in the promised land. Oh, this is nice. I don't remember that stuff back there. I'm just liking this. Actually, my flesh is enjoying this. Who needs God when I'm feeling so comfortable? You see, the problem is we're forgiven. We're in this lovely place of being forgiven in the promised land and we forget where he brought us from to bring us into this place of forgiveness. We forget what happened on the cross. Oh, that old story. You know, we are spiritually comfortable because he made it spiritually comfortable for us. And the other problem is we're so physically comfortable. 80% of people in this world live on less than how much per day do you think? 80% of the people living in this world. More than that. 80%, I don't know what the world population is, but it's billions. 80, 8 out of 10 people in existence live on less than $10 a day. Not $10 a day for food, $10 a day to survive, $10 for food, $10 for rent, $10 for electricity, $10 for transport, $10 for a roof over your head. I can bet it costs you more than $10 a day. We are so comfortable. Oh, who needs God when you're so comfortable? Oh, so sleepy. You think I might have a little snooze, work on the tan. We're so comfortable. It's not a good thing to be comfortable. Our flesh is comfy. We've got to watch we don't forget like the unforgiving debtor did. We've got to watch we don't forget like the Israelites did. Don't let your comfort lull you into a sleepy forgetfulness. So that was mistake number one. How do we forgive when it hurts so much? Don't forget what God did for you on the cross. It was enormous. Bigger than we can ever know. What's going on in the unseen world is enormous. That was number one. Number two... He forgot to go back and drink the living water. Remember, this all starts from Jesus. He's the source of the flow. We cannot forgive. We cannot give whatever we haven't been given. Go back, go back, go back. Come to me. Come to me, he says. Not just once, 10 years ago when you prayed a prayer Come to me every single day because the offences will come. We've got to go back. We've got to go back and say, do you know what? I don't want to block it here because I'm offending too. I want to go back and clear it with you. I need to go back. Help me see my sin in my life so I can, I don't want this dam here. I want to receive from you. I need forgiveness from you. But I need to go and confess, come to you and confess and repent. We've got to go back, ask for forgiveness, fill up again, receive forgiveness so we can actually give it. We've got to keep going back. Proverbs said, he who covers his sin, try to forget about it. It's not that bad really, is it? Will not prosper. But whoever confesses, 
and forsakes them will have mercy. We need mercy so we can give mercy. How do we forgive when it's really hurting? Don't forget what Jesus did for you on the cross and the enormous debt he paid for you. Keep going back to him every single day and fill up and get the flow that you need. And number three, the unforgiving debtor in the parable, he failed to wait upon the Lord. Remember he said, I can't wait, and I said we'll come back to it. This is the problem. You know the guy that owed him $1,000 came to him, please, please, please forgive me, forgive my debt. No, I can't wait. I'll throw you into jail. He couldn't wait upon the Lord. You see, God says to us, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Go back into the book of Psalms. Look at what David says when he cries out to God. He's basically saying, you go get them, God. You go get my enemies. You fix it. You're the God of justice, not me. My calling is to love. My calling is not to judge. I'm not the God of justice. You are. You go get him. And he says he will. So leave it to him. Problem is we don't want to wait. I want to get even now, says the flesh. It'll feel good to get you back. God says that's not the loving choice. In Malachi, we read, You have wearied the Lord with your words. You have wearied him by asking, Where is the God of justice? You're nasty to me. I see you getting away with it. I see you being happy. Where's the God of justice? How come she's not unhappy? She should be punished. She was so nasty to me. I can't wait. I'm going to be nasty back to you. That's the flesh. God says, I am a God of justice. He sees every single thing that's going on, including me forgetting he's a God of justice. What does he say? He says, at that time, the time of judgment, I will put you on trial, Liz Banford, because you couldn't wait for me. I'm the God of justice, not you. You're not an instrument of judgment, Liz. You're an instrument of love. He's going to put me on trial for not waiting for him. But look what he does to all the enemies. He says, I am eager to witness against all sorcerers, which is people who engage in witchcraft, and adulterers, people who sleep with others in marriages, and liars. I will speak against those who cheat employees of their wages. If you've been cheated at work, he knows who oppress widows and orphans or who deprive the foreigners living among you of justice. For these people do not fear me, says the Lord of heaven's armies. He's got armies to deal with this stuff to make things just. He's got all the information. He will deal with it. We don't have all the information. Maybe I misheard Barbara. Maybe she was actually talking about going for a trip to the farm and talking about a fat cow and it had nothing to do with me. We don't have all the information. He does. He's the only one that knows how to make it right. I've got no clue. I've got this much information. He's got this much information. How stupid am I with this much information to say, hmm, how can I make it right? Seriously. Seriously. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Absolutely everything. You have been encouraged so you can encourage others. You have been comforted 
so you can comfort others. You've been discipled so you can disciple others. Everything that comes into your heart, you've got to guard it because there's lots of stuff that can come into our minds if we're watching lots of television. There's lots of stuff that can come into our minds and tantalise us with our feelings with all this stuff on the internet. You've got to guard your heart. You've got to guard what you're thinking about. You've got to guard how you make your choices. You've got to guard what you're getting all excited about because out of your heart, everything flows. So if you're opening your mind, if you're opening your heart to Jesus and his spirit, if it's flowing in, he will flow out. Those living waters will flow out and all those beautiful blessings will flow out to somebody else. You've got to guard your heart here. Keep it open to his spirit. We need to keep this open. Let him flow through your life and guard it here. Watch it. We don't realise. We're getting suckered. You've got a block drain. You've got blockage in your life. We need to unblock it today. You see, if we don't forgive, there's a root of bitterness. We get tree roots in our drains and home. We get roots of bitterness in our heart and it blocks. I am bitter. I am not going to forgive. You don't deserve it. I didn't deserve it either when Jesus died on the cross, but he gave it to me anyway. That root of bitterness will block the flow of your calling and your purpose in your life. Unblock. You know, I like this picture. We're actually called to give all these beautiful blessings to others along the way of life. And I like it how this is uphill. It sort of feels like, oh, I'm actually already walking uphill with everything else that's going on in life and now you want me to forgive as well or now you want me to encourage as well or now you want me to listen to this long story which is really boring. Whatever. We're called along the way of life. It's not like he says, I'll sort everything so it's so comfortable and then I'll call you. He says, no, I'll call you on the way of life, in the middle of doing the washing up, in the middle of picking up the kids from school, in the middle of sitting on the bus, in the middle of a family conflict. We're called. We are called to flow. He says to you today, you've got to give the blessings that I'm giving you. I want you to think about every person that you have not forgiven, every face that reminds you of that grudge that you hold. I especially want you to think of things that have happened years ago where that root of bitterness has grown and grown and grown and grown in your heart that is hardening your heart. I want you to think about every single offence that you've done to others which you've tried to forget about, you've tried to cover. Everyone else can probably see it. I want you to recall those faces in your mind of those people that you've offended that you thought, oh, it doesn't matter or they deserved it. You have an opportunity today to unblock the flow in your life the flow of his spirit in your life, if only you will come to him. He is a merciful God. I want you to stop and take the next three to four minutes as I play you a very short clip. 
stop and come to Jesus, just you and him. Bring every offence, every grudge, every person who you still feel bitter towards and every person that you have wronged. And I want you to say to Jesus, forgive me, Lord. I don't want to be bitter anymore. I don't want to hold a grudge anymore. I just want to choose the loving response. I'm not an instrument of judgment. I'm an, interest, I'm an instrument of love. Help me do this difficult thing. My flesh doesn't want me to do it, but I know I can do it through you. And every person you've offended, bring them back into your mind. Stop covering them. Stop telling yourself it's okay. It's not. It's never okay to sin. You do the work with Jesus. I can't do that. You need to come to Jesus. You have an opportunity right now to come to him. It is a beautiful song of forgiveness. You have an opportunity to stop and remember how important it is to give that forgiveness. You see, you've been forgiven so that you can forgive. You've been blessed so you can be a blessing. Forgiveness.
You know, the Lord says to you today, today, today do it. Today let it go. Today come to me and let me unblock that blockage of not forgiving others and not asking me for forgiveness. He says, I want to forgive you. I want to set you free from that root of bitterness that is just clogging up your heart and damming the rivers of living water. That want to, I want to just make that flow through your life for me. Let's stand. Let's close our eyes. Let's come to Jesus. Oh, Lord. Lord, this is hard. This is hard when you remind us of those people who really have hurt us. It is hard, Lord Jesus, but it is not hard because you are with us, Lord Jesus. You are the one who can make it happen. It is not impossible with you, Lord Jesus. It feels impossible, but only without you is it impossible. Bring us to our knees, Lord Jesus, each person in this room that holds a grudge. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would forgive us for an unforgiving heart. Forgive us for giving into temptation. Forgive us for wanting to please the flesh, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord Jesus, not to forget the beautiful work that you did on the cross for us, that enormous debt that you paid for us. Remind us, Lord Jesus, how much you love us, how much you forgave us. Lord, remind us of the enormous debt that you paid for us on the cross. Help us, Lord Jesus, to keep coming back to you, coming back to you and bringing our sins to you and saying, forgive us, Lord Jesus. 
We are so sorry for our sins that offend you, Lord Jesus. We want to clear that. We don't want to block that. We don't want anything to block your spirit in us coming into our heart. And Lord Jesus, help us to forgive others. Those people that we've held a grudge for for so long, that root of bitterness that we've allowed to grow in our heart, cut it out, Lord Jesus. Forgive us for not forgiving them, Lord Jesus. Lord, do the work in us today. Each person that stands here before you, Lord Jesus, I pray that you speak to them right now. Release them, Lord from the chains that want to come back and put them back into slavery to sin. We are not slaves anymore, Lord Jesus. We are free in you. Help us to make that choice, that choice that we have to freely love others and to love you. Help us to cut that cord that wants to wrap us up and be a slave to sin again, Lord Jesus. We are overcomers in you because greater is he that is in our heart than he that is in the world, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, free each one here today. Free us, Lord Jesus. Free us, Lord Jesus. We pray in your holy name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.